Good day to you ladies and gentlemen and welcome to Film Focus episode 40, The Blade Runner 2049 Review. Gentlemen, all of North, South, East, and West, and welcome to another episode of Film Focus. I am your host, I, Persona 55, and I'm glad you decided to join me once again for some film related discussion. Here we are at episode 40, 10 episodes away from 50, and I feel good. The podcast right now is in a nice little stable place and um, is actually ascending in, like, you know, listenership. Or at least in terms of the listens that I happen to be, you know, finding through the SoundCloud website. Uh, through the stats, I found out that we're ascending in a slow yet progressive manner. And I am so thankful to everybody who's checked out the podcast, whether it be my friends who have told me that you listen to the podcast, or if you're one of the many people out there in the world that has actually, you know, just given this podcast the odd listen. I salute you, I thank you, because now you've ascended my podcast to having over 2,000 plays on the SoundCloud website alone, and I am so thankful. I mean, it's only a minor milestone in the grand scheme of things, but it means a lot, so thank you. But anyway, how are you guys doing? Feeling good? I'm feeling alright. Um, and also, I'm feeling, you know, pretty good slash giddy at the moment, because I get to talk about Blade Runner 2049. Uh, the main topic of conversation for this episode and it's going to be the film I'm reviewing Uh, before we get into you know the full-on review of Blade Runner 2049 I want to talk about the original Blade Runner because I have some thoughts firstly Blade Runner is one of the sort of films I've heard so much hype about like you know was it from you know all forms of film fans Regardless of who you're talking to, Blade Runner is in one of the sort of discussions for like uh, you know one of the best films ever. Very influential, very notable in the you know was it a sci-fi genre. Uh, created a lot of things that a lot of other films either imitated or referenced. Uh, you know one of Ridley Scott's best films, one of Harrison Ford's best films. Um, it's a film that you have to see. It's one of the best films ever. Definitely see the final cut, or the director's cut, whichever one is the most longest version, which has all the extra scenes added in and all that kind of stuff. Because obviously the uh, theatrical version is no good because apparently it has too much voiceover narration that sort of dilutes the story. I've never seen that version. The version I saw I think was the final cut version from 2007 I believe. But yeah, I think according to my friends, some of my friends from college, they ended up seeing this in college. I, I somehow missed it. I never saw a Blade Runner in college at all. It was one of the films that just sort of missed my radar of watching for a good while. So since this new film was coming out, I didn't want to go into it without having seen the original. So I watched Blade Runner for the first time in 2017. I think back in, I'm trying to remember what month it was. I think it was either May, June or July, one of those three months. But I saw Blade Runner for the first time this year and I thought it was pretty interesting. I sort of look at it the same way I look at the first Ghost in the Shell. I understand why people like it. I can appreciate some of the stuff it's done for, you know, the film, like, you know, industry, the genre, and some of the films that it helped influence. But it's just personally not for me. I find, like, some of the themes and the stories, uh, storyline elements to be interesting. I like the concept of the replicants 
and um, the sort of uh, is Decker like you know was it um, a replicant or not there probably was just like a whole load of like deeper meanings to that film that I just didn't like you know was it fully absorb and they say oh yeah Blade Runner is one of the sort of films that you see like multiple times and then like you know is it, it really clicks with you or it clicks the first time I don't know but there was some person on a podcast that I think I heard which um you know said something that really resonated with me like if it's a film that's supposed to be that good why don't I like you know is it obtain what the film's supposed to give me the first time how many times do you have to see a film before it becomes like you know is it something really good i don't know like blade runner for me i really appreciated like from a visual standpoint the film looked really nice and the soundtrack was really strange and ominous and you know really interesting that's the best thing i could say about the film it's a very interesting concept the film has just interesting concepts all over but as an overall film it just wasn't for me personally and i don't feel the need to go back to it anytime soon However, with this new film, there was a lot of hype for me because, you know, while at first the concept of there being even a sequel to, like, you know, is it Blade Runner just seemed absurd after so much time, I had hope once Denis Villeneuve was, like, you know, attached to be the director. And while none of his films I have wholeheartedly liked, like, you know, as an overall piece, just because I feel like each of his films from 2013 onwards had like an element that I really liked but just as an overall film I never had you know the core elements that said to me yeah an overall film from Denis Villeneuve I really love I think that would still be Sicario of the three Prisoners I really liked the performances in but the overall story I just didn't get I think I might have to go back and check that film out another time uh, I, I liked the film a lot but it just wasn't for me uh, Sicario had an interesting beginning certain elements in the middle but then it was sort of towards the end with like uh, Benicio Del Toro's like sort of focus in the film where it really engaged me plus the cinematography in that film is gorgeous and then there's um, Arrival a film that I think the hype killed for me because so many people were talking about this film as it was like the second coming of Christ so I was like okay I'm expecting this film to blow me away and while there were certainly elements in the story and certain character moments that definitely resonated with me dramatically and emotionally, by the end of the film I felt this sort of melancholy slash joyful feeling at the same time with the way in which certain events had played out. At the same time, it was a film that was just like, uh, you know, I liked it a lot, but it's not film of the year material for me and I don't feel like the... I don't feel like I could go on record saying like, oh yeah, this is one of the best films I've ever seen in my life. So yeah, it's one of those sort of things. But 2049, I was excited just to see what Denis Villeneuve could bring to this world. From the trailers, it felt like it was consistent with what has come before, and I'm assuming it was going to be fun. I like Harrison Ford and Ryan Gosling. I was curious to see how it turned out. And let me just say this right now. Blade Runner 2049 was pretty damn good. Uh, much better than I ever could have hoped or expected. Um, it's a damn good sequel, and I'm going to tell you why in this review. So, um, as per usual, we're going to talk about story, characters, presentation, then end things off with the conclusion. So, sit back, relax, and we'll get through this thing together. Alright, so the story for the film can be described as the following. Set 30 years after the events of the first film, a new Blade Runner by the name of Officer K, who's part of the LAPD, unearths a long buried secret that has the potential to plunge what's left of society into chaos. And so Kay's discovery leads him on a quest to find Richard Deckard, a former LAPD Blade Runner who has been missing for 30 years. And that is pretty much the 
general gist of the story without going into the area of spoilers. So yeah, let me just say up front, one of the best things I appreciated about Blade Runner 2049 was how it made me think, made me feel, and made me question many things in regards to the story, themes, and character motivation. What I liked about the story was that it was layered and had many moving parts revolving around the characters and events of the past, present, and future. This uh, film does a good job of establishing this world and the themes relating to man versus technology, what it is to be human and what defines those traits, identity, the line between fiction and reality, and the search for truth were all really interesting themes to me and I found that the story was quite intriguing. There's a nice sense of mystery and ambiguity to things. I also appreciated how there were a lot of cool twists and turns in the film that took place throughout and though I was able to predict certain plot elements that happened, the film finds smart ways to keep things interesting and zigged when I expected it to zag. Plus unlike the original film which at times for me I felt the pacing was a little slow. I never had this issue with 2049 as the pacing felt fine and even though the film slowed down on numerous occasions to be methodical and allow you to process what was happening, it never felt like a slog. It never felt like the film was, you know, was it wasting time just being slow. Everything has purpose, has weight and just those moments where you just get to sit down and process what's going on along with the characters just felt really good. Also, 2049 just does a great job of feeling consistent with the tone, themes, rules, and style of the original. For those who haven't seen the original film or have just, you know, forgotten the general gist of it, this film provides just enough information for you to understand how this world operates and how there is a certain level of importance to events that have taken place in the past. And while you don't have to have seen the original Blade Runner to watch 2049, I feel like you're doing yourself a massive disservice by like you know was it not checking that film out as there are many callbacks and references to the first film that only enhances this film's experience. I look at this film sort of like um, the way I compare Captain America the First Avenger and uh, The Winter Soldier. Both films work really well as like you know as a companion pieces to each other. The first Avenger sets like you know was it sets up the world and creates a good solid foundation and then the sequel just takes that and takes it in a totally new more hardcore and interesting direction and this film definitely does the same while the tone and you know general style is you know more consistent here than with the Captain America films I feel like the uh first film and sequel like you know as it concept still applies here whether they are verbal or visual references they all feel appropriate and never feel overbearing so with the references to the original film they feel like they have purpose they have weight and it feels nice both films sort of just bleed into each other and if you decided to watch these as part of a double bill you'd be very satisfied with the overall story. There's not really many things I have to say about the film in a negative light, everything just felt right. There was a wonderful sense of isolation, mystery, tension and um, just seeing the way in which certain revelations like you know come to pass in the film feels really effective, you're emotionally engaged and the film's runtime, which is like 163 minutes, I thought was gonna, you know, really affect me while I was watching the film, but for the most part I didn't feel it, much like when I watched um, you know, The Wolf of Wall Street. 
that film just flew by. And while this film isn't as quick in pace, um, you don't feel the runtime at all. Once you're, you know, in the gist of the story, you're in the, you know, fully engaged with the character, the story, and all that sort of stuff, it sweeps you up. And by the time it's over, you'll feel satisfied. For me, by the time the film was over, I was thinking about it, you know, completely for several hours afterwards. There was a feeling of complete satisfaction, elation, and, you know, just... It's strange. There's a certain level of satisfaction that I just didn't expect to get from this film, but I got it in spades. And I had to think about this film. Um, Really think about what was going on, how certain characters were, like, you know, was it um, operating? What does this mean? Uh, What lies beyond, like, you know, is it the uh, city that these characters are operating in? What's this talk of other worlds? What happened in between, um, you know... Blade Runner and Blade Runner 2049 and also one of the other interesting things that this film does is that it presents you with a lot of questions and provides you with answers but then there's also certain questions that don't get answered so um, say like if there were certain uh, questions you had about the original Blade Runner I feel like some of those are clarified but then there's still some that's left to you know as an interpretation or left open and this film also introduces like a whole load of interesting questions about like you know the world, the characters, and all that sort of stuff. And still, by the time the film's over, not everything is answered. But that's the really interesting thing about it because you can you know just uh, think about it yourself and then um, you know create your own theories. Or if you know anybody who's into these kind of films, you can all just get together and you know just uh, talk amongst yourselves about that kind of stuff. And while I normally like a, you know my films to be fairly black and white in terms of what's going on, there are certain times where a bit of grey really does help. And this film has so many grey elements, but it intrigues me to like you know just think about it myself and uh, you know draw up my own conclusions. And uh, the story in just 2049 overall just really good stuff. So when it comes to the cast, I think they are all really good. Whether it's like, you know, main cast, secondary cast, or even just certain characters that only have like, you know, scene specific moments, every person feels useful. They all have purpose and all the characters, you know, just they work in the context of the film in a really good way. I'm only gonna briefly talk about like the the characters this time round. Um, just because I'd rather you see them for yourselves. Um, you know, to get a feel for what I'm talking about because my words can only do so much justice for them. But yeah, let's talk about Kay played by Ryan Gosling. Really good character. I like how Kay is a character who is a very efficient person, does like, you know, is it everything by the book. He's just, you know, straightforward, but also has like, you know, is it certain memories. And um, once he discovers like, you know, a certain secret, once he starts to go down this rabbit hole, you see how his world starts to change and how he questions certain things and how certain characters he used to interact with have like, you know, it's different perceptions of him from like, you know, the first time you see him. And Gosling just played this character really well. While the character doesn't do much emotionally, um, he, he's, you know, sort of straight faced and like um, only shows like variations in like, you know, his emotional state, like uh say like happiness or anger and like you know small increments but when it works it works and Gosling's like performance is so trying to think of the right word to use is I think it's nuanced to be the right type of word 
He's stern, yet communicates a lot just through a lot of uh, physicality and body movement and uh, just subtle facial expressions. He was really good. Harrison Ford as Richard Deckard was also really good. It was great how they were able to bring this character back and give him purpose in this film. And uh, Ford, you can see, is actually properly committed to this role 100%. And I'm not saying that, you know, Harrison Ford is a bad actor or something like that, but, you know, with certain performances he's done in recent years, it's not so much that he's phoning it in, but you can you can tell that he's just not as emotionally invested as, like, some of the characters he's played in the past. But you can tell that this is Richard Deckard from the past, obviously aged up. And I like his performance as well. He's become a little older, a little more, more jaded to the world, and, um, you know, he doesn't take any crap from anybody, but I really appreciate it, like, um, Ford's performance as, uh, Mr. Deckard. The random sort of anomaly of this film, who ended up being one of my favourite people, was, uh, Anna de Armas as Joy. She was great. She is, like, the sort of emotional anchor for Kay's character. She has so much love um, care and just this light. She's like the light at the end of the tunnel for Kay, and she provides so much of the films, like sort of more, I guess, light-hearted. And um, she sees like uh, Kay sort of as we do. Um, and Armas's performance is just so good. She is just delightful. Besides the fact that she is gorgeous, she is absurdly pretty. Beyond that, she just comes into this film and has a a wonderful glow and energy about her and um, she's infectious I like her a lot and clearly this is going to be a role that's going to do wonders for her Sylvia Hoax, at least I hope that's how you're saying her name as love wow wow there are only a handful of women that like you know as it can come on the scene from relatively unknown areas in like you know the film industry come in and like you know have a performance that's so notable and you know has so much power and she did so well Sylvia was just a really engaging cool character I don't want to say too much about her because I don't want to ruin like you know is it how um, her character you know plays out in the film but she was really good really engaging good physical badass performance really good love it Robin Wright as Lieutenant Joshi, at least I hope that's how you say her name. Again, Robin Wright doing it right this year, man. She's really good. Um, I like how she's like uh, the stern, um, you know, won't take any crap from anybody kind of person. She's all about the mission, all about the job. We'll basically get, tell you well done for doing your job right, but scold you pretty hard if you fail. Wright's performance was solid. I really enjoyed this character, and she was good. Um, Mackenzie Davis, I enjoyed her performance in this film, um, and there was just a few other like you know notable like uh, appearances from like actors and actresses that I've seen in you know other TV shows slash films from before. But um, yeah, Dave Batista, he had an appearance in this film, and his performance, though subtle, was, you know, good. It was a nice mixture of, like, you know, is it some nice acting moments and some physical stuff. Batista did well. Lenny James showed up in this film, and I was so happy to see that guy. I swear, whenever I see this guy around, he's a chameleon. He just acts in such, like, you know, is it interesting and different roles, and he was really good in the film. I really enjoyed his character, Mr. Cotton. Backhard Abdi, 
who I believe was the uh, guy from Captain Phillips, he shows up in this film in a small yet notable role, which is really good, Wood Harris from The Wire. Um, it was great to see him in the film. He had like a, another small yet notable role. Um, this guy's name, I really hope I'm not going to butcher it that badly, but David Das Malchian. He also had a good role in this film as well. And it was just interesting to see how David and Wood, who were both characters from like, you know, was it the uh, 2015 Ant-Man film ended up in another film together. That was just interesting. And finally, there's uh, Jared Leto, who had an interesting role to play as Neander Wallace. He was very ominous, powerful yet restrained. And Leto did a good performance. He was really cool. And um, I enjoyed seeing his character in this film. Uh, I don't want to say too much about like his motivations and how he plays into the film. But he was pretty good in the role as well. As with the presentation, it was solid. Really solid stuff. Um, visually, the film looked fab. Um, the world of the original Blade Runner had a really interesting color palette really good use of dark shadows and lighting and you know early uses of cgi uh, just to create this like you know dark gritty yet futuristic world it's just a world that while i'm not sure i'd want to live in it i think i'd like to you know visit it just to see you know how everything is put together and this film sort of takes the foundations of what was there in the first film but then just expands it by a good chunk this world is so much vaster and wider and you know has so many more things to it than there was before you know from like uh the high sort of high-tech city blocks to some of these more downtrodden yeah aging sort of areas that you could tell are all decaying and stuff i like how the sort of um world has this really futuristic feel but then still has like you know sort of increments of the past that you know you can relate to in the real world like you know certain chairs and couches and um certain appliances in certain houses that you know still feel like they're from this time but then there's a whole lot of futuristic stuff as well the way in which a whole lot of stuff is designed from the vehicles to you know umbrellas clothes and all that sort of stuff it's all very interesting and costume design is nice cgi work is really really good especially for uh, some of these long shots um you know some of these scenery like you know long shots of uh, vast scenery in the city or out in the desert and stuff like that looks great Roger Deakins once again proving that this guy is no like you know he it ain't no fluke that this guy is a really good cinematographer he makes everything look damn good um, the use of color is really good it's like the original was set much cleaner and fancier looking but then there's so many other moments where there's uh, certain places inside and outside where they have very strong colors that feel warm some that feel cold and um have such interesting design when it comes to the statues and um remnants of the old world and like you know some of the stuff in the new world and you know some of the stuff to do with um you know the replicants or the wallace building and stuff like that it's, it's damn good to look at it's a really pretty film and i regret not seeing it on a larger screen like imax but oh, we'll see we'll see and then obviously there's the film score you can't talk about Blade Runner 2049 without mentioning the film score that was done by Hans Zimmer and Benjamin Wolfish. 
both film composers that I've heard before. Um, Benjamin Wolfish's uh, sound, I think I first came across with uh, Hidden Figures from earlier this year, which is pretty good. And Hans Zimmer, obviously, one of my favorite composers ever in the history of existence. Um, I like how these film composers were able to take the original themes from Blade Runner and then apply them in this film. It all felt consistent, really good. It had this really larger-than-life, grand, epic scale to it. It felt like, you know, was it you were just in another world that just had such a level of power to it. Um, and it really enhanced every scene it was used in, whether it was in action or, like, you know, subtle, more emotional moments or just trying to illustrate, like, uh, some of these story elements in a really good way the the film score is just delicious all right now it's time for the conclusion in the end blade runner 2049 was damn impressive and i liked it a lot and even though i'm not that big of a fan of the first film 2049 felt consistent with what came with the previous film it had some good interesting yet notable callbacks that you know only enhanced this film tenfold it had its own interesting story to tell with interesting revelations, twists and turns that helped like, you know, keep the story like, you know, interesting as it was going along. And there was such wonderful imagery with, you know, the visuals, the artistic design, some of the use of visual effects and the epic music from the film score. I also think it's just really impressive the way in which this film has come together considering how long it's been since the original. There are only a handful of films that ever come out like you know was it years after the original and are able to live up to the hype as you know either a decent you know sequel that's either just as good or even better than the original and the only other ones that really come to mind at the moment is like uh, Toy Story 3 from 2010 and Train Spotting 2 like from this year like you know T2 Train Spotting which is still a terrible title but I still feel like that was a solid sequel to the original train spotting and uh 2015's Mad Max Fury Road which is obviously like you know a massive gap between that and like you know is it the third film from like I think the late 80s and yeah that film turned out really well as well but again there's not many films that end up having that sort of ability to you know come together in a way that's just perfect and feels consistent with what's come before but finds a way to excel in a number of areas and utilize the modern technology and filmmaking techniques just to create a wonderful film and Blade Runner 2049 is just it joins that small yet like you know notable VIP group of like uh, noteworthy sequels that are just really damn good after how many years of you know separation between that and uh, the original film I'm just surprised by how much I like this film and I think it is my favorite film from Denis Villeneuve um, just because as an overall film from start to finish I felt a level of satisfaction that I just hadn't had with like some of his previous films and again this is not me bashing his previous films it's just that this film for me gave me exactly what I wanted and stuff I didn't know that I wanted this is easily in my top 10, probably top 5, but I'd probably have to see it again just to see how it balances out. But at this current point in time, Blade Runner 2049 is a good movie, such a good movie. And I highly encourage you to go back and give it a watch. But I will say that with a caveat that you should definitely see the original before checking this one out. Because these films work as companion pieces 
you know, was it together. So check out the original because you'll have a damn good time with the sequel having, you know, that previous knowledge. Okay, and I think that will bring another episode of Film Focus to a close. Thank you for listening, and uh, if you liked Blade Runner 2049, or you didn't, which is going to be really surprising if I hear anybody that didn't, unless they're just not fans of the material to begin with, but yeah, any thoughts you have on Blade Runner 2049, hit me up on my email where I am, thehypersonic555 at gmail.com, or drop me a comment in the comment section below, or talk to me on Twitter where I am, hypersonic55, or at Film Focus 55 and yeah um, the podcast is steadily like you know is it uh, working towards like you know a brighter future we're getting more listens than we ever did in previous like you know months slash like even last year um, but we need more support so if you are a fan of the podcast share it about with your mates um, be sure to give us like uh, good comments and you know just spread us around on uh, SoundCloud or on iTunes and if you are on iTunes please be sure to give us like you know some nice ratings and some comments helps increase our visibility and it would just help me out a lot because I want to grow this podcast into like something special and uh, yeah I can only do this with your support so yeah thank you for listening ladies and gentlemen as always and until the next time this is the Hypersonic 55 signing out peace Thank mm-hmm. you.